And hello out there. Welcome to another. This is not just another. This is the 50th episode of Observe and Report. Congratulations to us. (laughs) Congratulations to you for making this far, making it this far, listener. 50 full episodes. This is Observe and Report for first-time listeners. This is the show where we watch things and we tell you how we feel about them, all right? And I, one of your hosts, Jason Simmons, and sitting across from me, physically, in person, Jack Smith. Hello. (laughs) I missed you so much. I missed you, too. I miss people. I miss being in places. Me, too. And this is nice to see your face and talk about movies. Same. The things that we enjoy doing. Same, same, same. Oh, my goodness. It's been a while. Um, and we've watched a lot. Yes. A whole bunch. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, yes, let's talk about it. Let's get into it. Let's do it. Uh, um, do you, you know what? I'll, I'll start off. I'll, cool. I'll get it started. Um, I watched, uh, I watched The Five Bloods on Netflix. Um. Oh, with Chadwick Boseman? Yes. Spike Lee. Future Miss. Mr. Smith? Yes, future Mr. Smith. <laughs> Although he seems like a very serious person. I feel like he would not appreciate my whimsy. <laughs> <laughs> but he's also a progressive man. So he wouldn't be against taking your name. He'd tolerate it. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe hyphenate it, all right? Bowles and Smith. Oh, I didn't mean the name. I mean just me as a human being. <laughs> I don't think he'd be into my whimsy. <laughs> I don't think he'd find this charming. <laughs> Get it together, woman. Oh, goodness. I feel like he's not T'Challa. He's, he's got humor. He's, he's funny. True. <laughs> but anyway, uh, The Five Bloods recently released on Netflix, uh, a Spike Lee joint. Um, yeah, starring uh, Delroy Lindo, uh, not Wendell Pierce. What's his name? Isaiah Whitlock Jr. Um, it's quite good. It is uh, the main story being about uh, five soldiers from the Vietnam uh, War. Uh, have returned uh, under the guise to find the remains of their fallen comrade, Chadwick Boseman. Oh, okay. Um, however, the true purpose of their visitation hmm. is to find gold that they've hidden oh. for over 40 years at this point. Where the heck did they get gold in Vietnam? Um, the premise of the story being that uh, the U.S. government, the CIA, mm-hmm. uh, was using gold to pay off Native people in the area to give them information to fight on their side in the oh. Vietnam War. Um, was this something that actually happened? I don't know if there's something that actually happened, but it feels like... I can't like see the U.S. government giving people gold because, you know... The amount that they gave them, they, the people wouldn't take cash. Oh, um, they wanted, that would make sense, yeah. Like, a tangible thing. Yeah, that makes sense. And because they had vital information to win this war, uh, they were willing to give them gold. However, the plane crashed. Oh. Um, this unit was sent to recover that gold. Gotcha. Um, but their friend dying in the midst and them mm-hmm. being kind of overwhelmed, they mm-hmm. buried it and Smart. escaped smart um claim that they never found it when in Mm. actuality they did gotcha so it is a interesting movie in the fact that there's a lot of different themes and tones going on um there's kind of the theme of like you know it feels almost like hey these are friends like at a a reunion Mm -hmm. kind of gathering together and like you know discussing their past like who they were and who they've become and like you know kind of rekindling friendships and like you know seeing if friendships are even still worth it at this point for some of them um some, and, and part of it is that movie. Part of it is, like, you know, a father bonding with his son. Like, you know, uh, Del, Delroy Lindo, his character, like, you know, is perhaps the the most uh, PTSD, uh, you know, beriddled person mm-hmm. amongst them. Mm-hmm. Uh, his son comes along with him to, like, you know, kind of help with, like, the whole scenario. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at the same time is, like, you know, trying to connect with his dad. Mm. Uh, so there's that aspect to it. 
And then there's a whole ass action movie that happens in there as well. <laughs> so does it flip between the past and the present? It does flip between the past and the present, but it does a very cool thing. Mm. Um, when they flip to the past, the uh, elder soldiers mm-hmm. just are, they're still the same age. Like meaning that they, they use the older actors to play the, their younger selves. They don't do any makeup. They don't do like, you know, any dressing up. It's just, we're back in the 60s and they are them as they are now. So... Chadwick. So Chadwick is Chadwick. He doesn't age. He doesn't. He is just in the past. It's almost like you're seeing them relive a memory as opposed to like doing an actual flashback to that moment. Gotcha. Like it's. It feels like it's a cost saving measure. Like, hey, we don't have to hire any more actors (laughs) for this. Like, we don't need to use like weird CG. Listen, I get twice as much Chadwick, so (laughs) I'm not against this. And it just feels like they. Like Spike Lee's just trusting the viewer. Like you understand what's going on, yeah, right? You're not like dumb. yeah. I don't have to hold your hand. You get that it's them just playing them younger, but yeah. they're the same. You get oh, it. Gotcha. Um, yeah, I feel the film consistently treats the viewer to be very like smart. Like hey, you've seen an action movie before. Yeah. Um, it has like a lot of uh, references to uh, the Treasure of Sierra Madre, which is like one of Spike Lee's favorite films. Mm-hmm. And it feels like hey, you get to like kind of like make your own version of your favorite movie ever. Um, That's cool. And yeah, like uh, the performance is really strong. Uh, Jean Renault plays like oh. the villain to some degree. Interesting. Um, there's a lot of great political commentary happening in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, I wouldn't even say surprising how good it was. Like I was, I walked away like very much enjoying it. Mm. Um, I haven't heard much about it. I um, feel like since it came out, like I saw some trailers for it, but mm-hmm. I feel like I haven't seen any many reviews for it um i read one review in the times of the new york times it was mm-hmm. it was very positive for it nice. um i don't know what it's like metacritic or it's uh rotten tomatoes is right now mm-hmm. but I, don't, I hope it's good like yeah. i i really enjoyed the movie nice and yeah given the fact that like you know there aren't many action films out right now because of the whole totally. quarantine situation yeah this is like a solid action film to watch nice and i don't think i've seen a lot of Spike Lee action movies uh, not that he's done a lot of action yeah. movies, in all honesty. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like, oh, this dude has a good understanding of how action works. <laughs> like, That's cool. Despite never like, like truly doing one right, in that right. way. So it was it was satisfying. Uh, quite a few wire references for those that enjoy the wire between really? uh, Clark Peters, who played uh, oh goodness, uh, Lester Freeman, um, <gasps> oh, yes. and Isaiah Whitlock Jr. that played uh, Clay Davis. Um, on the wire. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, there, there's his inimitable line that is said of shit. Nice. <laughs> um, in his uh, very extended way. He'll uh, be uttering that <laughs> for the rest of his life. Um, but yeah, very satisfying movie, and nice. I really liked it. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm going to write that down. Um, but what else are you going to watch? So, Jason, I have begun a journey. <laughs> <laughs> every step cut down cut to uh martin freeman in the hobbit just running around with his little contract jumping over <laughs> the gate being like i'm going on an adventure <laughs> that is me right now turquoise jacket barefoot <laughs> hairy feet <laughs> um so i i think we talked about it last episode i started watching the clone wars okay um the 3D animated series mm-hmm. on the old Disney Plus. But, and I've enjoyed it a lot, but I kind of, like, it was clear to me that when I started it, or maybe it wasn't, I kind of realized that, like, 
there is a lot of backstory that I think is somewhat assumed that I didn't know about. So I've been consistently texting my friend John and probably being very annoying. I'm very sorry, John, um, about like, what is happening? (laughs) (laughs) Am I supposed to know these things? And so I decided to go back because I was like, what order should I be watching this in? What I guess if you're asking what order, what order did you start? Did you start with the most recent season? No, no, no. I started from season one of The Clone Wars. Bless you. That was an mm-hmm. adorable little sneeze. Um, but I was like, what? what's with these clones? Oh, Who's okay. this uh, Ahsoka chick? Like, also, why is she in a there tube top? But that's beside the point. Was but a like, movie. <laughs> so this is what I learned in my research, <laughs> a.k.a. texting John. And so because he and his wife are super into it. And so he's able to be like, okay, if you really want to, if you really want to do this, <laughs> here's what you got to do. If you want to do these hard drugs, yes. here's how it works. The Clone Wars was merely a gateway drug to a much larger mm-hmm. pile of drugs. Just like the Force, the first step into a larger world. Sure. <laughs> um, so I went back. He was like, you should watch... Um, Attack episode two, Attack of the Clones. Mm-hmm. And then I watched, so I watched that. Then I watched um, the um, movie, the animated movie about the Clone Wars. And then, and so the backstory that I knew and felt was missing, I got caught up on. Mm-hmm. Which I... I don't remember if I had seen episode two. Um, I think I'd probably seen like little chunks of it here and there when it was on television. Okay. Again, again, again the enti- in its entirety. Yes. It is my least favorite Star Wars movie. <laughs> Jason. Um, I realized after like half an hour, like, oh, this Anakin Padme bullshit. I can just fast forward through it because it doesn't actually matter. It doesn't matter. So... My viewing experience was greatly enhanced. You when... watched the Obi Wan adventure. Yes, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I did. Because that, that's Detective the... Obi Wan, and that's the story that I needed mm-hmm. to like fill in the gaps. Because um, that's the clone part of the, right. the clone. One hundred percent, and I was just like, "Oh, Boba Fett, Bo... like this is all coming together." <laughs> like, oh my god! So that was actually great to have those questions answered. Um, because Anakin, in episode two, he's such a whiny little bitch, and I fucking hate him. He's a creepy boyfriend in that entire movie. Like, and she's dating someone who she is essentially, like, at least 15 years older, because she met him when he was a child. Like, the age difference is supposed to be, like, five to six years. Bullshit. (laughs) Bullshit. There's, like, what? Like, if he is 19 in this movie, she's supposed to be, like, 22 or 23 or something. <laughs> Actually, a little bit older than that, like, 24 or 25. But, like, yeah, no, that doesn't work out. <laughs> she met him as a child. He was a child. Mm-hmm. And she was a queen of the planet. And she was, uh, so she was, like, an 11-year-old queen? Fuck off. <laughs> Not you. A- just this, this BS storyline. Yeah. So he was terrible. And it just, it looked so bad. <laughs> 
you know what? They had to walk so that we could run today. Yes, like, they did, Jason. <laughs> they walked through fire. They did. Oof. Like the the movie doesn't look great, but you know what? They had to do it so you could get your Avengers, your Marvel movies today, your your CG oh, epics. It was It all started with it that. It was the equivalent of watching the first like two years of like a, a very good stand-up comic but when they just first start <laughs> it's so painful and you're just like good god someone put this person out of their misery it was so bad but uh i greatly enjoy you and mcgrayer um yes. and i mean i did not like natalie portman in this role they, she and hayden christensen were pretty damn annoying in that movie I wrote, you're literally a queen, get it together. <laughs> like, come on. But to be fair, they're also like acting against green screen. They're often acting against very little, if anything. Like, it was just a recipe for disaster. Yeah. Um, but I did get my questions answered. So that made me very happy. And so, because I was already into like season two of Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. Now I'm almost done with season three and shit is happening jason but i'm sure you had questions like why are these clones why are they clones like who are they cloned from why are they clones who are they cloned from why did we get to this point mm because in the animated show they go to the animated version of the fact the clone factory that is actually in the movie Mm -hmm. so i was like ah great and i think seeing that in the show i was just like what is happening i can't do this anymore and so that's why i went back to um the movies like the show expects that you've seen yeah kind of you can certainly go through and enjoy it without the backstory Mm -hmm. but as someone who wants all of the context i was just like listen i got the time (laughs) let's (laughs) do this um and so now when i'm done with clone wars with the series i'm going to go back i'll probably be fast forwarding through a lot of things um and maybe finish the last i'm gonna go through a bunch of stuff mm-hmm. i i think it's just a reaction to everything going on in the world i never expected to get this into star wars <laughs> like i've always enjoyed it but i am in it jason yeah i mean it is it in a weird way it's like finding religion it is like i you get really opinionated and defensive about things like you take I, certain things to heart when like you don't need to oh see i don't i mean granted i haven't really talked to anybody about it so i haven't had any type of oh, debates you will. <laughs> i you don't will. i think i enjoy it in that it fulfills some kind of hole that was clearly in me (laughs) (laughs) like religion does for a lot of people you know it's giving me hope (laughs) um and like i i think i just enjoy that world so much because it's uh more fun even though there's a lot of strife in that world Mm -hmm. it's strife with laser swords it's fantasy so it's way more fun yeah version um like i am going on vacation soon i was looking for books and i was like are there star wars books like this is how into it i'm (laughs) at jason but then i was like "Ooh, i have to wait i'm gonna wait until i finish the rest of the clone war series because some of them hinge off of that Mm -hmm. there's like an ahsoka one but i want to finish so um i caught a star wars fever jason (laughs) (laughs) because i also am watching as i mentioned like I'm watching DuckTales. I am not usually the type of person who, like, 
I grew up in the 90s. I get the whole 90s nostalgia thing. Mm-hmm. But, like, when they, like, re-release a bunch of, like, Nickelodeon shows, I'm not someone to go back, really, and watch them. But this is different, because it's not really a re-release. 100%. Mm-hmm. But I never thought I would really get into it i'm on fucking like season middle of season two now (laughs) i don't know who i've become possibly a 15 year old boy very possible um but yeah so i'm really uh enjoying the star wars i i'm glad i'm glad you're enjoying it um i i had assumed that you'd seen most of this stuff already i did not realize that you had not uh like really delved into the prequel movies or anything i think i know i've seen the first one I don't know if I... I know I've seen at least parts of the second two. I feel like they're on TNT a lot. Yeah, they are. After They they, they had them on a lot shortly after they came out in theaters. Mm-hmm. And so I think I got bits and pieces. Um, but I don't... I've not sat down and actually like sat through them. Mm-hmm. Granted, I still won't. I'm still going to be fast forwarding through that shit. Like, whoa. But, <laughs> um, but yeah. Now... Apparently, I've, I just like to wait several years to watch things. No, it's what you're going to find out based on <laughs> all the other stuff that I've watched. It's good because it's a, it's a, I don't know, it's not evergreen. Like, they, these things definitely age for sure. But, right. like, I'm glad that you're able to get into it. I'm glad that more women are getting into Star Wars oh, in yeah. general. Because, like, for so long, it's just been, like, a gatekeepy kind of, like, this is for boys. Yeah. Like, it's like this, this can be for everyone. I will say, I really enjoy the Clone Wars. So many of the people in power are women. Um, and a lot of the most powerful people in that show are female slash alien, but female. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I feel like it's more, I guess, even though they're aliens, it is striving for diversity and more inclusion. Um, and it's funny. Um, so yeah, I, for many reasons, I enjoy it. Okay. It does feel, yeah, generally more inclusive of More inclusive, women. more progressive. Yeah. Totally. And that's great. And this is like, and this is the stuff that was being made before the Disney Switch. Yeah. Where there was like a harder push for like, you know, inclusion and diversity in the Star Wars movies and Star Wars universe in general. Yeah. So, yeah, they were, they were, and they were ahead of the the general path that things are on now. So, Mm. credit to them for that. Yeah, totally. What else you got? uh, Since you talked about your animated adventures, I was not going to, but I think I will now. Let's do it. Um, I recently completed a, a gargantuan task. Um, I recently finished uh, a 700 episode anime series um, called uh, Naruto. I've talked about it on the show before, um, and I'm sure uh, many people are familiar with it. Many of your children are familiar with it, <laughs> as it is a show for children. <laughs> um, but I, a 32 year old man, has completed all of it um, over the course of two years. Um, and I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. It's a little bit of everything. It's a little Star Wars. It's a little Harry Potter. It's a little, uh, you know, Japanese folklore. It's a little Buddhist folklore. Like, it's got a lot of stuff mixed in there. Um, and is it for 13-year-olds? Absolutely. Um, is it about friendship? Hell yeah. Is it about turning enemies into friends? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> it's about all of that. Um, is the main character annoying? A little bit. But is he endearing? Also, yes. Um, it's, it's just you both a- asked and answered a lot of questions here, Jason. <laughs> You're making my job easy. It's an expansive show with a huge cast. Um, 
because of the size of the show, mm-hmm. um, and for those that don't know, let me just break it down really quickly what the show is. Um, yeah, it's a uh, it's a show about a. Uh, imagine if, oh gosh, it's so hard to play sometimes. It's a show about. Oh, you're having difficulty summing up a <laughs> 700 episode show. What's wrong with you? Ostensibly, it is a show based in myth uh, around a young boy that grows up in a community that is ostracized, but eventually grows up to become the hero of his town. Okay. Um, and just take that framework and add ninjas to it. Like he wants to be, this kid wants to grow up to be the mayor of his town, essentially. Um, but he has been ostracized his entire life because he holds the, the one thing that damn near destroyed this whole city inside of him. Um, this demon that... Oh, I remember you telling me yes, about this. Yes, that he okay. has to learn to control over the course of his life. Mm-hmm. Um, but that aside, um, it gets really epic sometimes and so far the scale of the fights, it feels like, oh, this is a Helm's Deep kind of Battle of the Bastards Ooh, kind of thing happening here. Like, cool. there are tons of people on screen. A lot of cool stuff is happening. A lot of coordinated attacks against, like, a seemingly unstoppable single enemy. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's a whole undead army that comes up. Very Ooh. Night King type stuff happening cool. in this. Um, there are betrayals. There um, are so many side characters that you find yourself attached to because of the length of the series. Mm they can give time to like you know That's get nice. attached to this character yeah. or like tell a small story involving them it's like oh cool like what if you you know had a small book series centered on just ron weasley and his family oh god <laughs> like, and their adventures over the course of like one summer like that'd be kind of interesting but not necessary to the plot right 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 like oh like what's hermione summer like like Kind of interesting. Probably fucking boring because she's Hermione. <laughs> she was in the room all day reading. <laughs> like, that, the sh- because of the length of the show, they give you the time to focus on so many different characters mm-hmm. and what they're up to. Um, and yeah, like, from the older characters to the younger characters, even to some of the enemies, you find yourself sympathetic to them. Mm-hmm. Or like, oh, wow, like this, you see the growth of a character or the change of a character. It's just like, well, it's not just about getting stronger. It's about, like, learning about your faults and how you can be better. Um, yeah, I just said a bunch of stuff, a lot of word vomit about something that no one here is ever going to watch. <laughs> you never know. And that's totally fine because I did it so you didn't have to. If you have questions or concerns about Naruto, talk to me because I know everything now. <laughs> I know too much. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I can talk about some thing along those lines-ish. Okay, sure. So, the past couple days I've been on vacation. And I have had a running list in the back of my notebook of stuff that I, just as it comes up in life, I write it down because I want to watch it, but I don't have the time or the mental or emotional capacity. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So now I finally do. And um, one of the many things on this list that I've been able to check off, which I was very excited about, um, well, I was excited about checking it off, not necessarily the thing itself, was um, the Studio Ghibli films that oh, are yes. now on HBO. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Jason. What was one that you're really looking forward to in that collection? Okay, so I dipped my toe into like three of them. Mm-hmm. I could not get into any of them. Oh. I know. Um, I, I don't know... So, first I started with My Neighbor Totoro. Okay. A very popular, uh, yes. you know, movie that a lot of merchandise. Yes. 
It has. It is voiced. The two little girls in it are voiced by a very young uh, Dakota and Elle Fanning. I didn't know they got the Fanning sisters for the dub. Of that this. is. That's cute. That is who it is. Um, and it just. <laughs> it was so slow. Yeah, they can be very slow movies. Like, they. It starts out with them. They are moving, and so. Um, they get to this house and there's like a pagoda pagoda outside and like <laughs> it takes a second and they're like playing with a beam that's rotten mm-hmm. and they're like pushing it back and forth and giggling and being like it's rotten <laughs> mm-hmm. and like running around and i was just like jesus christ <laughs> <laughs> no five-year-old i know is laughing at a rotten pagoda beam <laughs> what is this whimsy in this movie uh-huh. It was a lot to ask for. Um, I will say the intro song was great, though. Um, so, I I don't know. I just couldn't, I couldn't get into it. And then I tried, oh, God. The, there's one with one little girl. And she had a very annoying voice, and I couldn't get into that one. <laughs> um, I'm just trying to think of all the female folks ones. Uh, Nausicaa of the Wind, perhaps? No. Um, Kiki's Delivery Service, perhaps? No. There are probably tons of others, but I, I couldn't name one. It's one of the main ones. I didn't mm-hmm. even write it down because I'm a jerk. So I tried that one. Her voice was annoying. I couldn't do it. <laughs> uh, did they have the option for the original uh, Japanese voices? Oh, I probably would have liked that so much more. <laughs> oh, God damn it. Okay, well, maybe I'll go back. Cause <laughs> they the, may or may not. I don't know. I feel like they should. Because mm-hmm. I think they do often default to a lot of these services, default to like the movies in English, but I'd rather just watch them in their regular language and just have subtitles. Because mm-hmm. um, I watch it with subtitles anyways, because I'm an old lady and I often don't know what people are saying and so i feel like that would have made a difference but then i the last one i tried was princess mononoke oh okay i watched that maybe a little too young i watched it like 11 like oh no it came out like the same around the same time as mulan and i remember there was a talk like disney getting the distribution rights to uh princess uh, mononoke and i was like oh oh okay, okay that's the wrong cool you know what? I might be wrong too. Who knows? <laughs> um, but I just remember, like, oh, I thought for some reason I thought they were related movies. Oh. I'm like, I don't know how <laughs> these things. It is a very dark film. It is it really, which is. I didn't expect, and it kind of made me laugh it's a very little bit. <laughs> but yeah. beautiful too. So I started on that one, and it starts with monster. So I was pretty into it. I thought this would be the one that you'd like yes. right into. Listen, she's. Riding on a giant wolf, I'm just like, this is me all day long. Mm-hmm. Um, and the voice cast of that is interesting, too. It is interesting. I didn't write it down. Like, I remember um, Jada Pinkett plays a voice. Um, uh, Billy Bob Thornton is yeah. a voice. Like, yeah, it's a funky little cast. They got, like, a, a like big Like, some hitter, Hollywood people like, that I was, like... Like, 1998 cast of, like, holy crap. When the Billy Bob Thornton character started talking, I was like, I know that I know this voice, and it's gonna drive me crazy. And I looked it up, and I was surprised by just the list of people in it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was surprisingly violent. A guy manages to uh, shoot off 
both arms of a man by using a bow and arrow, which was impressive. <laughs> he shoots a guy's head off. Like, it, yeah, it's really not a children's movie. Yeah, it's like, to just read the cast off, yeah. like Billy Crudup, Billy Bob Thornton. That's right, Billy Crudup. Minnie yeah. Driver. Yes. Uh, Claire Danes. Uh, Jada Pinkett. Jillian Anderson. Like, some really big, like, actors yeah, <laughs> show up time. in this. Yeah, but also people not necessarily recognize, I don't think I would recognize their voices. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think I would recognize Billy Crudup. <laughs> right. Yeah, I guess what? <laughs> I don't think I would recognize Jillian Anderson. Her maybe a bit more. I watched a lot of X-Files as a kid, so. Same. Yeah. Um, Like, most of those people I don't they think don't I would have, recognize. Like, notable voices in yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so... I don't know. I just, I couldn't get into it. Um, so I tried and I had such high hopes, but Fair. it didn't work out for me. Again, maybe your route is the original Japanese. Maybe that may do something for I you. I think that might make a big difference because I think I could actually get into my neighbor Totoro of all of them, actually, possibly the most. Mm-hmm. And I think the caption, uh, the original voiceover would have helped. That's, so I might give it a second try. That's understandable. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, speaking of... Well, I guess speaking of... Um, one thing that I watched that is, I guess, not an animated thing <laughs> at all. Um, I went ahead and watched Haywire on uh, yeah. Netflix. I texted you about this. I was enjoying myself. Uh, 2012's Haywire uh, featuring Gina Carano and uh, Ewan McGregor. And a huge host of handsome men, Antonio Banderas mm-hmm. and Michael Douglas, for you older people that enjoy him uh, in that way, uh, as well as uh, Channing Tatum. And I was like, this is an insane cast, and Steven Soderbergh is directing this, and this is like Gina Carano's like first like film appearance, and she's like doing really well. People derided her acting at the time, but honestly, she's doing quite fine. Um, and the action in it is very good, and this is an overused word to describe action, but visceral. Mm. Like, there are a lot of hard hits happening to people. Um, people react to being hit in a very realistic way. <laughs> people aren't just absorbing 20 punches. It's like, okay, two, yeah. and I'm done. Oh, absolutely. I can't take any more than this. If you ever want to see Michael Fassbender get his ass kicked uh, in a hotel room, this is the movie for you. <laughs> If you ever want to see Channing Tatum get embarrassed in a coffee shop with, like, this is a movie for you. <laughs> like, there are some really fun uh, action scenes that happen. They, And also, it feels like a very European, like, French expressionist film. Like, there are many montages that occur where they're just, like, taking out all other sound effects, but, like, this jazzy soundtrack as we're just, like, seeing Gina Carano chase some dude down in the streets of, like, uh, Barcelona as she's going to kick his ass when she gets to the end of it. Like, you just know that's coming. Um, yeah, and it's just, she's really enjoyable. Uh, in it, uh, Bill Paxton plays her dad Aww. in the movie. And it's just like, oh, I miss Bill Paxton. Yeah. Like, you were, you were an enjoyable person to see in things. Agreed. Uh, Ewan McGregor is great as a slime ball. He's doing he his best. He loves being a bad guy, too. He's doing his best Jude Law impression, and it's uh, <laughs> <laughs> really something. <laughs> um... Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I feel like I avoided the movie for years. It was always like on my list. Like, I'll get to it. I'll get mm. to it. And then I actually sat down and watched it. Like, I really enjoyed it. Was it somewhat um, 
spurred by the fact that she was in the Mandalorian? I think a little bit. I think there's been like, you know, some Mandalorian talk in the in the air. And I feel like I didn't really get to enjoy her as an actor until the Mandalorian. Yeah. She was in Deadpool, the first one. Oh, okay. But like, I feel like she didn't have many lines in that. And I was like, oh, she's really good in the Mandalorian. Like, I wonder what like, you know, her first big movie role was like. And she's really good in it. She's nice. really enjoyable. Uh, my buff girlfriend, Gina. And <laughs> <laughs> Gina, the girlfriend who can kill me. <laughs> yes. Um, no, she's like really enjoyable in it. Um, and I really recommend it. It's on Netflix. It's been on Netflix since like it came out. <laughs> and it's not going anywhere. Like, if you're looking for a good female driven action movie, this is one to look into for sure. Um, I was just watching a behind the scenes of um, the like making of Mandalorian, mm-hmm. and they were interviewing all the actors, and it was really just an excuse to me to for me to look at Pedro Pascal some more. But um, as if I needed to tell you, you know, <laughs> what was wasn't just because I was like, oh, behind the scenes, um, and I. I feel like her and Dave Bautista are similar in that the way they knew that they had a lot to learn, but mm-hmm. it was acting was something they really wanted to pursue. And they'd obviously done some of it just in wrestling and stuff. Um, but she, when there it was her, Pedro Pascal and Carl Weathers um, chatting about their experiences. And she seemed like such granted they're actors they could be assholes i have no idea Mm -hmm. but she seems so genuine and very like happy to be there and then she just turned to carl weathers and was just like heaping just love on him how could you not to carl Weathers? and i was just like and he was just like oh oh, gina (laughs) he didn't see it coming and she was just like i learned so much from watching you and blah blah and it was just so sweet like oh she seems like a nice person that's excellent and she reminded me of dave bautista just like learning a lot and and like really genuinely enjoying this kind of second chapter of their career and stuff yeah it was great and she comes from like the world of professional fighting like she's like an mma will break your arm kind of person and it's like she's amazing as an actor yeah um and i guess for mandalorian like they actually um that character they kind of wrote it with her in mind and oh, cool. when they brought in pedro pascal he was like when i went in for a meeting um and they had some just like storyboard art type stuff up on the wall like her character was her like it oh, was drawn wow. as her it was not just like, those like cool painted storyboards that you see like at the yeah, end she was, was already in them it was her and she i don't think she had officially even been cast yet it mm-hmm. was just we hope to get a gina carano type so let's just put gina carano in there i think they they were like we want gina carano so we're going to pursue that. And then if we can't, yeah, they, that's what they wanted. But I think it was very much written with her in mind, that's which is excellent. like so cool. On a show with very inspired casting. With amazing casting, <laughs> like an amazing show. Like it looks so good. Like for someone who is not traditionally an actor to like have something, a character made for them. Yeah. Like, oh shit. Yeah, Gina. It's like Gina Carano is like, you know, a badass bounty hunter. Yeah. Like. One thousand percent. Bill Burr as like a sleazy like con artist <laughs> like, uh, like bounty hunter himself. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. With like bionic arm things. Yes, from Space Boston. Like, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it was really interesting and uh, interesting to see and like see them as people. It was great. That's awesome. Yeah. Um. Next up on my list, 
I have no notes for it, except for a million LOLs next to one of them, <laughs> because I continued my Vin Diesel run, and I watched... The Diesel run. Yeah. Chronicles of Riddick? Yes! Oh, oh my god, I have like actual goosebumps right now. Like, I'm not lying. I watched Riddick, <laughs> and I watched Triple X. <laughs> when I don't have any notes for Chronicles of Riddick and Riddick. So and next to next to Triple X, I just wrote a million LOLs in a row. Oh. <laughs> Tell me what you learned, Jason. You're really gonna enjoy the next <laughs> two episodes. Like, I watched a lot of things. Um, oh. <laughs> it was a couple weeks ago, so I don't remember them well. And I had seen parts of both Riddick and Chronicles of Riddick. I've I've explained the Chronicles of Riddick to you, as I have to many people in my life. <laughs> Um, I mean, they're hilarious. <laughs> yes, they are. Like, I just, I, I don't even know where to begin, really. Uh, I don't, Triple X was. Let's go chronologically, I guess. Okay. So, so Triple X is before uh, Chronicles, Riddick, and Riddick. Tell me about, how do you feel about Triple X? Remind me of the plot of Triple X again. Extreme oh, sports he's star. He's an extreme <laughs> sports star. <laughs> In a movie that is so, so very loosely based around his abilities. <laughs> which I'm not even really sure exactly what his abilities are, except for he drove a car off a bridge in the first five minutes of this yeah. movie. Uh, he's an asshole. Yep, total dick in this entire movie. He hangs out with a lot of uh other professional like x games type of guys like isn't his apartment like a 24-hour party so (laughs) he's like kind of off the grid a little bit he was doing viral videos before they were cool yes like his job is viral videos (laughs) (laughs) and his like his girlfriend man slash manager is eve Right, Eve. Oh my God, go on. I who forgot I, about that. Who, as a younger person, I really and I still do like. I just think she's so pretty. She's really pretty. She's oh, yeah. hell cool. Um, and uh, a woman comes over to like hit on Vin Diesel, and he's he's like, "Fuck you, get out of here!" And I thought that was amazing. <laughs> and she like makes the viral videos for him, and he lives in like this loft. Yes, he does. That he doesn't think anyone will be able to find him. And then, like, immediately, like, a SWAT team jumps in. And, like, it's just, it's so, it's so Vin 100% of the time. It is so 2003. Oh, God, it's beautiful. <laughs> and um, and Samuel L. Jackson, who I didn't realize was in that movie. Um, With it terrible here <laughs> oh yeah it's not good it is unsettling yeah it's just samuel l jackson being samuel l jackson essentially um it, it could have been samuel l jackson's character from avengers pre-avengers like yeah. this might have been his first job <laughs> and then managing extreme sports agents. managing extreme sports viral video stars <laughs> slash the nsa and then he and thing happens to his eye and he goes to the avengers mm-hmm. um and so he's tapped with like infiltrating this ring of people. I don't know. It's such, it's like a stereotypical. You got to stop these terrorists in the Czech Republic. Yeah. It's, it's so typical of it. It feels, it could have been like a fast and furious movie, essentially. Mm-hmm. If you just put more cars in it. 
Um, but the ending of it, spoiler alert for this masterpiece, um, he's like on a boat and there is a submarine of some kind. Yes. He <laughs> a mini sub. It's a submarine with these rockets in it. It's just it's absurd. And clearly like Fast and the Furious was on his mind. Because it's essentially a Fast and the Furious movie without the rest of the cast. <laughs> and fewer cars. Oh, God. I, I, a friend of mine said, like, this is a movie made by 13-year-olds. No, like, 1,000%. They workshopped and said, who do you want to see in a movie? Vin Diesel. Who is that? Uh, what do you want to see? Explosions and skateboarding. Like, yeah. okay. He's going to drive a Corvette off a bridge. <laughs> cool. What guys. does he wear? A fur coat. Oh, like, the coat. All right. The coats are amazing. I mean, does he fall in love with a fellow spy lady? Yes, of course he does. Like, it's just... It's utterly insane. The line said, like, this was, like, blitz advertised to, like, 13-year-old boys. Mm -hmm. As a 15-year-old boy at the time, it's like, (laughs) I just remember, like, looking and, like, every comic book I bought had an advertiser for Triple X. Like, every, like, gay magazine, like... Any print media geared towards boys had triple X in it. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, it was blitz towards you. Like, we need you in this theater. And they had like, um, when we were that age, like the X Games and like skateboarding stuff was so popular that they put like Carrie Hart and like, or whoever, like. Pink's big, husband. <laughs> yes. Pink, like um, big people at the time in. <laughs> In the loft scene. Travis Pastrana, what are you doing That's here? That's right. Calling yeah. people like by their full name. <laughs> it's it's an absurd film. <laughs> and like, yeah, the coats were really the best part because they are just wearing like these like Sherpa wool coats throughout that are beautiful. Like Vin Diesel escapes like an avalanche on a snowboard. <gasps> I forgot about that. <laughs> oh my, he outruns an avalanche that he starts. He's he outruns it on a snowboard, and they start from the same place, <laughs> and they're they're guys on um, snowmobiles going up the mountain at the same time, and somehow Vin, even though they're at the bottom of it, they get killed by the avalanche, but Vin does not. Nope. Even though he was closer to it, and on a snowboard. Yep, because he's extreme. That's why he's. He's so extreme. <laughs> he's XX extreme. um so the so i actually watched that second because i have watched i watched chronicles of riddick and riddick with zen in the same night yes um because we are hardcore Mm -hmm. (laughs) um jason help me with the plots of both of these films so the chronicles of riddick Oh God! We go. Uh, we start the, off the film with the uh, the, the, the death oh, worshippers. Yes, coming from but, the sky. Okay, I don't understand the death worshiping. So yeah, he gets called back by uh, the priest Keith David. Keith David. Mm-hmm. Um, he hire Keith David hires guys to go out and get Riddick Who, because who's currently Santa Claus. <laughs> yeah, who's on this like frozen ice fucking planet? Whatever. With this ridiculous beard. Yeah. This flowing gray beard in here. Yeah. 
Um, I don't know how he sur- I don't know how long he's been on that planet. I don't know how he survived, but we don't ask questions here. And so uh, the um, oh, he's the imam, right? Yes. So Keith David, the imam, he is like, please help us, um, and because uh, something we can tell something's gonna happen or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think things have been happening on other planets or something. And like yes, they've been landing and like yeah, and essentially taking taking over, over yeah. Um, and of course that happens. Um, oh God, I don't remember. It was like three weeks ago, so <laughs> I got I got nothing. But <laughs> um, uh, and I mean, but like the cast that's in the movie. Is insane. Like, oh, it's Tandy. Tandy Newton's here? Why? Oh. And let me tell you something. Her outfits are the best. Mm-hmm. She has beautiful dresses. There's a lot of swooping necklines happening. Listen, she looks great in a swooping neckline. Oh, it's Carl Urban, right? Carl Urban is there. He's her husband, and she's like, you need to be in charge. I believe he's the Lord Marshal of some kind. Or- yeah, he's essentially like the right-hand man, kind mm-hmm. of. And he's like, the necromongers. That is the name yes. of this race of conquerors. Yes, who like they, their main guy is like died and come back, and he's it's a cult basically, yes, a very a violent cult. cult. Yes, and Tandy is like, you should be in charge, Carl, and he's like, mm, I don't know, and she's like, No, you go and you be in charge. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and they're just oh. And Riddick is of this race of people. The Furians. Yes, who they, like, destroyed them, but... The only people that could stop the Necromongers. Right. I still don't understand exactly what the deal is with the Necromongers. I don't know why the Furians are able to somehow withstand this or whatever. But they were all killed and Riddick's the last. Riddick's the last. Because there's always a last. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's how that goes. And then... Riddick picks up right after <laughs> the end of Chronicles. Dame Judy Dench is there. Dame Judy Dench shows up in Chronicles of Riddick as a ghost air lady. She's, she's yes. an air elemental. Right. As they call her. And she really doesn't play a role. <laughs> it's like, guys, check it out. We got Judy Dench in this thing. <laughs> I, maybe her grandson had to go to college and she just needed to pay some tuition. I don't know. I feel like when they called Helen Mirren for uh, Fast for Fast, fast 8, uh, Judy was Judy like, hey. made the connection. What was the plot of Riddick? <laughs> so Riddick, um, they kicked Vin out of the Necromongers as their king. Yes. Kicked him out of the Necromongers. Uh, he is wound up on this desolate planet. Uh, and has been surviving, uh, killing these like you know very dangerous creatures and taming one as his own. Um, he stumbles upon a. Uh, oh, that's right. He has like a a hyena dog yes. thing. That's right. And he stumbles upon like you know a cadre of bounty hunters who've set up camp. Um, and whether or not I forget whether they're looking for him or not. I don't believe that they are. But once they realize, holy shit, Riddick's on this planet, we gotta get him. Yeah. And Dave Bautista is one of the, the bounty hunters. That's right. It's coming back to me a little bit. And hot, angry lady Katie Sackhoff is also a bounty hunter as yes, well. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and... Oh, yeah. I think they do go there 
for him and then another set of bounty hunters comes in there's two like bounty hunter groups and he's like kind of playing them against each other sort yes of. this um, is his take on <laughs> but they they're trapped out there mm-hmm. and like their ships got messed up and so um they're both trying to going going after him he <laughs> Because he's a killer with a heart of gold. He's only going after the ones who try to get him. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're uh, based on the weather, whatever. Like, basically, it's going to be dark soon. And they need all they all need to get the fuck out of there. And so he's kind of their only hope, again, because... He's the best at surviving. He's so great. His power is surviving. That's his superpower. Yeah. I, it's it kind of it. It's a weird going from Pitch Black to Chronicles of Riddick to Riddick. Like one of these things is not like the other. <laughs> and Chronicles of Riddick, like you guys are really went off the deep end and then kind of came back around in Riddick to their bread and butter of Pitch Black. He he truly wanted to make a space epic in Chronicles of Riddick. And the summer that came out, it was a Chronicles of Riddick as well as a video game that was very well loved called uh, The Chronicles of Riddick uh, Escape from Butcher Bay, oh. uh, which you're like kind of like escaping from a prison. But okay. it was beloved and people really dug that game. There's also an animated movie as well oh, called The Chronicles of Riddick Dark Fury, like that reused a lot of the cast from the movie, actually, in this animated film. Mm-hmm. Um, they wanted to make a full multimedia experience and to some degree, they succeeded. But the movie wasn't received well. No. I don't think it made a lot of money, uh, at least in theaters. Mm. Maybe on DVD, it was a whole different tale. I can't tell you. Maybe that's why you get to make a third Riddick film. Yeah. Not sure. But um, the Chronicles of Riddick was it was very ambitious. I would it, give him that. It was. The whole thing, everything he does is very ambitious. And like... I, he just goes for it every single time, and he acts as a little hard out. Is it essentially the same character every time? Yeah, and that's fine. He looks great in tank tops. Like, to, to be honest, The Chronicles of Riddick holds a nice little soft spot in my heart. I do enjoy that movie. <clears throat> I I might drop whatever I'm doing to watch the entire film start it's to finish. It's often on TNT. It's often there, and there are, there are actually, to me, some exciting moments that happen throughout that movie. When they are uh, escaping as the sun is scorching this planet, mm-hmm. uh, there is some good tension that's happening oh, there. Oh, that's not to say they're not entertaining. They're entertaining <laughs> as fuck. They're just absurd. And like, with all kind of big action films, the plot is the least important thing. Yeah. You're really just Chronicles. watching this guy be the coolest, best guy and whatever. Yeah. Um, they're certainly entertaining. They're just so hilarious also. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. But I'm very happy that you saw these movies. Uh, these three things which were weirdly formative in my teenage years. I don't know if that's a good thing. <laughs> well, yeah, these aren't good movies, but it's interesting. And if you are very curious about the mind of Vin Diesel and how he works as a businessman, maybe this is worth checking out. <laughs> He he clearly wants to be the hero every time mm-hmm. in all of his films to the point that it makes me 
a little bit sad and it makes me worry about him a little <laughs> bit because there's clearly such an ego that is driving that mm-hmm. but also i get it of course if i could dictate what movies i do like yeah i want to do something that's fun and where i'm a badass hero so like i also get that like i want to be luke skywalker and han solo at the same time yeah in one movie <laughs> yeah it's it's he wants to be Han Solo and Boba Fett. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sure, Arvin. But like in a muscle shirt. <laughs> Showing off those buys and tries, which I appreciate. And also he makes them sometimes like with so much time in between. Like, yeah. he, like there'll be like seven to ten years and you see him go from like, a, you see him age. Not in a bad way, he ages well, but like go from like young Vin to like then he's older Vin and it's like watching him through the Fast and the Furious movies like he this man does not give up no. he just keeps on cranking out movies <laughs> from the Vin factory and even though they're pretty much the same product just slightly skewed each time it's pretty consistent and they're entertaining at the very least yeah yes no Vin <laughs> what else you got um other things that i hear um i will talk about uh slow west um oh this is a movie i revisited recently um i saw for the first time maybe four years ago when i was very sick Um, michael fassbender with michael fassbender Mm -hmm. and uh cody scott mcphee uh Mm -hmm. as well as uh ben mendelson um it is set in the american west however shot entirely in new zealand oh i didn't know that that's Um, cool again showing like hey new zealand's pretty gorgeous oh new zealand it's the most beautiful place i've ever been to and there's like a wonderful black backdrop for like damn near any kind of film you want to shoot yeah it's got all the water all the mountains all the forests high plains like a little bit of desert like it's got a lot of different like climates going on in a relatively not large area of land 100 percent um but yeah slow west is a very interesting uh and very enjoyable tale of uh a young man in love. Uh, Cody Scott McPhee uh, is an Irish uh, lord um, that comes to the United States looking for his long-lost love uh, and teams up with Michael Fassbender in order to find her. Rather, Michael Fassbender kind of assigns himself to mm-hmm. him to, to find her. Um, oh, my God. Also, I forgot. Uh, the, the Hound, as well, is in this. I oh, forget no his way. Name. That's um, cool. From he, Game of Thrones. From Game of Thrones, yes. Hound from Game of Thrones uh, plays this young girl's father. Mm-hmm. Um and it is, it is a wonderfully s- small but enjoyable tale of how of the violence of the West, as well as like, hey, sometimes you move mountains for love, and it doesn't always work out. Aww. Like it, I, I don't want to spoil much of, I of think it. You just did, Jason. <laughs> like, <laughs> not in the ways that you think. Okay. Um, it's well acted. Um, it is well shot. Uh, Michael Fassbender is a lovable rogue. Mm. Um, if you don't want to see Michael Fassbender get beat up in a hotel room, watch this. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to see him like act really well, uh, and yeah, it's just a smaller movie. Um, and I think a great message of the movie is like every action has consequences. Mm. Like you may think this is a very small moment, but this has ripples that will echo through time. I purposely avoided this movie because I was like, oh, just based on this plot, it's going to stress me out. 
it's a little stressful. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and definitely towards the end, like it is a, a high climax. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's a good move for people that don't like westerns. Mm. Um, if a western like kind of bores you or doesn't really like you know get anything out of you, th- I think the angle of this unrequited love and also like the action it's also of it, like a drama. Yeah, yeah. So it's a drama with like a very few characters. The cast mm. isn't huge, but what you get from it, I it, I think is really good. Um, yeah, Slow S. It is on Netflix and will be there for a long time. Again, this is one of those things like they're not getting rid of this one. Like it's going to be there for several months to years. Doesn't mean, oh, I can just put it on my list and not watch it. You should probably watch it. It's really pretty. So mm. pretty. From the costuming to the back to the to the sets. It's a very pretty movie. Nice. But yeah, Slow S. What else have you been watching? I, there's a lot of stuff that I started and just was like no um and kingsman the golden circle is one of them oh okay i was i basically watching it for again pedro's pascal (laughs) because that's what i do now Mm -hmm. um yes but it i enjoyed the first movie but i was put off by the fact that like they're just really into like the big thing like at the end they're they just keep mentioning anal sex and like it's how it ends. I'm just like, okay. It's very juvenile. In its it's humor. extremely juvenile, as is this movie. Mm. And it's fucking disgusting, actually. Um, part of me is just like, was this written partially by a 15 year old boy? Because <sighs> one way in which they go about trying to like uh, trace. It's so unnecessary. Like, they want to trace, like, this bad guy's girlfriend. And instead of just putting a normal tracking device on her... Have you seen this movie? Yeah, yeah. It's been a while, but I've seen it. They essentially have this tiny, like, finger condom thing. And the only way to track her... this music festival. Yeah. Is to finger her. Yeah. And then, not only that, but then they do like a cgi following like magic school bus style like you essentially you see his hand slide down her underwear and then you're in her body and i was just like that's so fucking unnecessary it's gross to begin with this isn't titillating in any way you're just you don't know what you're seeing but you know that it's essentially supposed to be a fucking vagina like fuck off like that's gross like he has a girlfriend and like you're you just have to get with this girl to fucking finger her are you fucking kidding me like that's just it's so unnecessary all you're doing is like tracking her whereabouts. There's no need to like get this shit. I can't remember what very thin excuse they have for needing to get this tracker like into her bloodstream because really they're only it's a tracking weirdly like, where... convoluted plot insofar as like you know what they're trying to do and who they're trying to stop and how and they're trying to get And it's boring. There. It's quite frankly, I find it incredibly boring. It was not like I got through half of it and then I was like, "There's another hour," <laughs> and I just couldn't do it. Um. Yeah, like, the Kingsmen, they get blown up because this drug kingpin, um, Julianne Moore, who's in, like, this random, like, forest at the top of a mountain in South America, I think, 
Um, she wants to go after them. I can't remember why. She's holding Elton John hostage. Now they're being helped by the American equivalent of the Kingsmen. Also, Colin Firth is back and he's they're trying to get his memory back. Like there's a lot going on. None of it's interesting to me particularly. It, it's gross in that sense. Like I just I was put off by that in the first movie. I don't know why I was surprised by this. It was just such a literally invasive like perversion that it made me really angry, obviously. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> and I just just be better. Like why who reads that script and thinks that that's okay? Like you're lit- you're using this woman and on top of that it's not anything new. God knows through time, every James Bond movie, like women are just used for sex, but this was just so some like just extra gross. Mm -hmm. And the fact that like good actors are in this and they think that's okay. Like Julianne Moore, like was this in the script when you read it? Like Colin Firth, like all these like really talented people you all thought this was okay and like these movies have to go like so many people are reviewing this shit and you all thought that this was not only okay but funny like really you think that this is funny like it just it just made me mad and was very disappointing (laughs) in people (laughs) who I don't actually know Mm -hmm. um so yeah that of all the things that I watched, that was by far the worst thing, and it really pissed me off. That's fair. Sorry, that was a lot, and I did not expect to get that angry <laughs> when talking about it. But thinking about it more, I'm just like, come on, people, be better. Uh, in my memory of watching the movie, it's been a couple of years since I last saw it. Yeah. It was just the most okayest sequel. Like, mm. you didn't do anything to really advance. No. Uh, you know, this world that you're building here. And also, it felt like, man, we didn't think the first one would do as well as it did, but holy crap, maybe we uh, got it. It just felt like they were piecing together a second movie out of something that, like, didn't need to be two movies. No. Um, the bringing Colin Firth back, you know, after him dying in the first one just feels like, well, why? Like, yeah. that completely cheapens, like, what happens in the first movie, if that's the case. And there's so much other stuff going on that it's just adding another thing. That, yeah. Granted, I only saw half of it, so maybe he does play a role in it. But, like, if anything, it's just kind of, like, trying to humanize Eggsy, the main character, a little bit more. Because he looks to Colin Firth as, like, a father figure. Mm-hmm. And... I, but it doesn't really doesn't really do much. They bring in new people. They brought in Channing Tatum. They brought in Pedro Pascal. Brought in Julianne Moore. Her character. This this movie was I kept also, forgetting about, and then they go back to our big. Oh yeah, this is a thing. I actually like Julianne Moore's uh, character, like her depiction as like you know a villain in this, yeah. like this smiling monster kind of. It was interesting, but they there's. Between touching on, like, the main character, Colin Forrest's character, her character, like, they're constantly kind of, and plus these new people, like, they're constantly, like, juggling plates, and so nothing really gets the amount of time it deserves, necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt it was a waste of a Channing Tatum. 
Oh yeah, totally. He's barely in it, and also in the movie, like the the virus or disease they're trying to stop mm. is one that when you're infected, like you lose your mind, you dance, and yeah. then you explode. Yeah. You don't have Channing Tatum dance, even though you infected him with this. You've wasted your Channing Tatum. <laughs> you only get one, yeah. and you've absolutely thrown him to, to in the garbage. Yeah. How dare you? Um, yeah, I thought that was like kind of like a poor use of him. Uh, Elton John. I just want to see the movie where Elton John is held hostage. I think that's a funny oh, yeah. movie in itself. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I think that there's a lot of things in this movie that just aren't good or not even well, well done. Like, yeah. I don't know. They, I felt they built themselves a lot of goodwill with the first movie. Mm-hmm. And they kind of just like threw it away to the point where we almost like have to rewatch that fight in the church again with yeah. Colin Firth. It's like, and also you try to recreate that moment again at the end of the movie. There's waste of a fight. Halle Berry also. Also waste of a Halle Berry. Who was pulling off a haircut that literally only she can pull off. It is the Halle Berry. It is such <laughs> an odd length, but it's so goddamn cute on her beautiful little face. Mm-hmm. And like her at least in the first half of the movie, like she doesn't really get to do much. She's just kind of like this weird, like nebbish office lady. Yeah. Essentially Mark Strong's equivalent. Yeah. Mark Strong doesn't get to do much and I love him and he's beautiful. His, uh, do you care if it's spoiled? No, not at all. He dies at the end and that's really makes me mad. His, his death is actually pretty cool, but he's like, kind of the morality of it when yes. you lose Colin first so now you have him yeah and like it just felt like man what is even happening there's there's a third movie coming out which is a prequel no. oh, to these Christ. called oh, the, the yeah. king's man yeah which is set like during world war one mm. or right before it i believe mm. um i don't know i i don't know um, it was a waste of Channing tatum it was a waste of pedro pascal like you brought you brought in all these people who are great, and you didn't do much with them. You do a little bit more with Julianne Moore, but it's still not enough. And it's such a thin, weird plot. Like it was, like, it was all. There's a lot of great ingredients, but they were not used well. Mm-hmm. It was not well written. Like Mark Millar is the writer of it, and uh, Matthew Baum, the director of it, and. Yeah, I mean, they've teamed up together to make things before, like Wanted and Kick-Ass. Um, mm. And these are all... Their their style of creation, uh, it's, it's interesting because they are creating a comic book at the same time they are developing a film script. Like, these are done oh. hand in hand. Oh. It's not like the comic came first and then the script. Like, oh, no, no, these are being written simultaneously. So one is, like, kind of promotion for the other. Interesting. So the comic will, of course, hit stands before a movie's even made. So it seems the other way around, but it's not necessarily the case. Like, that is their style of filmmaking. The storyboard exists in the comic. Is the comic telling the same story? Uh, for the most part. There are changes that happen from comic to script. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's how Kick-Ass was developed. Uh, there was never, like, a Kingsman 2 or anything like that, right. as far as a comic goes. The first one is based on, like, the original comic run that they have that, but... Hmm. Yeah, that's kind of their part and parcel of how they operate. Okay. Um, Mark Miller is also responsible. He's kind of big, largely responsible for the way the Avengers are today in movies. As far as like their humanization of like, oh, these these are modern characters in a modern time. It's like that kind of work from a series that he developed in the 2000s called The Ultimates. 
Um, and as a comic, really good. Um, and it translates obviously very well to screen. But um, it just sucks that his independent stuff, the stuff that he's doing on his own, is not always that great. Mm. And has consistently been controversial. Like, Kick-Ass, like, has, like, you know, a bit of controversy. Like, wow, this is, like, really violent, and it's involving children. Mm. Like, out of the character Hit Girl or whatever, like, you're 12, and you're murdering people left mm. and right. Like, this is part and parcel for him, almost, at this point. But, you know, that's that's... It's a thing people will come out to see. Do you think his work tends to skew towards... Do you see that immaturity in a lot of his work? Yeah, and a lot of his independent stuff. Stuff mm-hmm. that is not that are not licensed characters. Yeah. I see a lot of that uh, immaturity. And the stuff that is licensed characters, mm-hmm. it's a, a very reserved and unique take that mm-hmm. he will have. Not juvenile, mm-hmm. but like certainly like, oh, that's I didn't see it in that way before. And... I'm glad I read this with okay. this long-standing character. Interesting. So, yeah, it's it's a definite night and day kind of situation when it's his stuff, where he's able to like not have anyone rein him in Yeah. versus when he's writing an established character where someone's like, gotcha. hey, you can't have Superman do that. <laughs> like, I think that is what's happening. I don't think I, he and I would get along very well. Probably not. Cool. What else you got? (laughs) (laughs) Um, What else do I have going on here? Um, I watched All Nighter, which is just a fun buddy comedy that occurs. Um, It's J.K. Simmons and uh, Emile Hirsch uh, teaming up to find J.K. Simmons' uh, lost daughter. Um, Oh, yes. It's on Amazon right now. Uh, If you have Prime, it's free. It's really light, um, pretty funny. Overall, uh, Emile Hirsch plays like a slacker musician uh, that has been seriously dating J.K. Simmons' daughter. And J.K. Simmons, being he, who he is, mm. is obviously a hard ass and does not like the fact that her his daughter is dating this very, uh, you know. Emile Hirsch is always just like a shaggy-haired loser, like he, lovable yes, loser. He's a lovable <laughs> loser. Like sometimes, and sometimes he's speed racer. It's like, okay, sure. <laughs> like, all right. Um... But yeah, he's a shaggy-haired loser uh, that teams up with this very serious, uh, threatening man, uh, and they kind of search all over Los Angeles for his lost daughter. Isn't there... I think I've seen either in the trailer or a clip of it where they're talking to, like, they go into a restaurant or something, like a diner, and they talk to, like, the girl's... His daughter's, like, friend, Mm -hmm. and she's, like, not into Emile Hirsch, but she's kind of into J.K. Simmons. Yes, very much so. (laughs) (laughs) It is a running joke throughout the movie, like, who's this weird loser anyway? (laughs) Hi, it's <laughs> a J.K. Simmons. That was really funny. Um, the supporting cast is uh, fantastic. Uh, Christian Shaw, uh, nice. Ike Barinholtz. L- anything he makes everything better. <laughs> I love Ike Barinholtz so much. He's the best part of the Mindy project. Like, I I adore him. Like, yeah, it's 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 a funny comedy of errors of just like you know mistaken identities and just. Yeah, it's it's rather enjoyable and quick. It's like an hour twenty five minutes or something like oh, that. Nice. Like it's t- nice, tight, funny, lighthearted. Um, yeah, it's really simple and uh, just a, a nice little quick thing to get through. Like, nice. It's not asking too much of you. Cool. Um, I something that I did love. I watched the season five, the most recent season of Queer Eye, because it's just. An oddly uplifting it's a show. a ray of hope oh. in these dark, dark times. It's what the world needs. I feel like the production of that show happens very quickly. Mm. 
Um, but then it also, maybe it doesn't because like they take a lot of time to remodel people's homes. <laughs> and he does it in like, I, I watched something. I've been watching so many interviews with them because I was just like, I need this hope to, this hopeful feeling to continue. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he gets like five days to do, like he obviously has a large team of people and like there's a lot of planning beforehand, mm-hmm. but still like a lot of the places they go into are bad because they come in there with a vision and like you know intent to like make this new yeah rip shit out and it's yeah it's amazing um he again by far does the most work um he is the core of this team yes (laughs) it's astonishing um but yeah just another lovely season they changed it up a little bit in like them um bringing the they call them heroes the main people who they're helping um they kind of bring them back to like the shared like loft space and stuff they made they've made little tweaks to it Mm -hmm. um but overall it's still just so lovely and uplifting and getting to the heart of stuff with people um yeah it was and they help like a really i think there were eight or ten episodes i think it was more than they usually have done in the past okay um and like they do a nice kind of array of people, younger people, older people, people of different ethnicities. So it was a nice, really. I think they always do a pretty diverse cast, but it's also there's more women this time, which is nice. Hmm. Um, anywhere from like this, like uh, this Korean or American woman who was like our age, who was a doctor, but. Like, she had a kid shortly, like, right before a residency, so she's kind of, like, getting her life going now, um, and her husband has been, like, a stay-at-home dad, so it's kind of a different family situation than mm-hmm. most, to... Yeah, that's definitely a unique one, sure. Yeah, um, to, I think my favorite one was this young woman, like, a 20, I think mid-20s, uh, maybe late-20s, um young black woman who um started her own she loves she loves dogs and she started her own um dog grooming um like mobile business okay and it was doing really well but very necessary in these times yes um and like the older i get the more i realize how daunting it must be to start your own business like there's so much there's such a learning curve to it. It's so much money. It's like, there's just so much. I can't even imagine. But in some ways freeing because, hey, Absolutely. it's all on you and no, you're not answering to anyone but yourself. And she did it and she was actually doing really well, but then her RV that she was working out of broke down and so she had to just like park in front of her parents' place and she's such a hard worker and I am so astounded by her bravery of like starting a business because she started it when she was like in her early 20s. Wow. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, and so they, um, so she was great. And they had, <laughs> they had as a way to, because um, they're going into things more of just like, she has a business, but um, trying to like advertise it and stuff was a challenge for her. So they like helped her kind of like with a business plan-ish. Oh, okay. And like to get her some like branding and stuff. Um, and so they had to kind of, uh, reintroduce the neighborhood to her business. They had like a um, 
puppy fashion show. (laughs) 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 And they brought in like 10 dogs and like had them box like this very short little uh, catwalk type thing. It was so cute. Um, And so they're getting more into... I feel that's a whole other like... That could be a spinoff of an entirely different show. It's like Queer Eye for your business. And they (laughs) did it with another guy who had his own um, gym and... Um, it just, he was just having trouble, like getting the business off the ground. And so they really helped him. They did like a new logo. They like, and he was living at the gym cause there was like a couple of levels. And so he lived in like the apartment above. And so it was both helping him like redo like the bedroom and living area, but also like the gym space which was essentially his business and Mm -hmm. like they made a new logo for it and stuff and it was just yeah they're getting more not just into the person's just house um and they're getting more into like their life i Mm -hmm. guess if you will um so yeah that's an interesting turn and i really enjoyed it and then spoiler alert they got uh the woman with the dog room business they not only um helped her out with all this business stuff but uh they got her like a whole new dog grooming van wow and it's like all done out it's all branded like it was beautiful and then at the end of the show it was the best her rv was in shambles like Mm -hmm. it was terrible um because she had been working out of it for a couple years and so it just kept like things just kept breaking and they took it to uh, one of those car places where they just, like, smash up the car. And they gave her a baseball bat, and she just went to it. That is a, a therapeutic bat. thing. Like, and it, the smile on her face that she was just like, ah! Like, fuck this thing. Yes. I don't need this anymore. It was so great. And they're all like, yay! Um, and then you see, like, it smashed. It was very therapeutic for everyone, including myself. <laughs> um, so, yeah, if... In these trying times, you need something to just, like, get your mind off things and find hope. It's a show for you, man. It's so great. I'd like to think that for the gym owner that they also installed, like, a fire pole from, like, his apartment down to the gym. (laughs) That he could just (laughs) swoop, just go right down to it. If only. (laughs) Opportunity missed, Bobby. (laughs) Uh, It was, yeah, it was really great. No, that's that's really good. I... I, I like the idea of them like getting involved with businesses and yeah. like kind of expanding them and like just like reworking them a little bit like I don't know like a, a kitchen nightmares but like not just for right. restaurants they, and not so mean yeah, yeah. <laughs> not mean much at all, more positive actually. and supportive <laughs> and like one guy he just um he had he had lost his like social security card and his identity had been stolen so like it was a it was a short portion of the show, but Bobby was like, I have also kind of had to start from square one before. And so he brought him to like a financial planner type person huh. who was going to like help him like get that part of his life on track. Right. Um, so yeah, it's, it's not just like life's emotional problems, but they're actually tending to like, um, I don't know, like the 
very kind of realistic, pragmatic portion yeah. of it too. Um, yeah, it was it was great. So it was very interesting to see them change it a little bit. That's awesome. Yeah. And this is season four of season five. season five. Yeah. Wow, that's all. They do two seasons a year at this point, right? I, at this point, I think so. Because and usually they're shorter ish. It's like six to eight episodes, mm-hmm. and this time they did more. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, they do seem to turn them around pretty quickly. Okay, because I feel like it's usually like something happening in in summer as well as like winter. But I could be wrong. I don't know. I feel like it's more than just once a year that episodes yeah. come out. Yeah, because I feel like the revamp Queer Eye has only been around since like 2018. Yeah, and yet they've done five. I was surprised also that it was five seasons. Yeah. I would have thought it would have been like the third season, because then they did one in Japan. Yeah, the Japan season too. Which yeah, um, and also I don't know how it works. Granted, it's a reality show. It's but it's also obviously parts of it are very scripted. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know in terms of like. Because um, they're always centered around like events that are happening at the end of the week or whatever. So right. I don't know how much of the schedule, or like maybe they only pick people based on like this girl's like graduating from high school or whatever. So like this will work with our schedule. So maybe okay. we'll pick her. I'm not sure how that all works. Like the logistics of it seem like seems a nightmare. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Real tough. There's a serious production team behind oh, them. Oh my God. <laughs> I can't even imagine it. Um, but yeah, it was great. It was okay. a little bit different, which was fun. Nice. Hmm. Um, I watched something that recently came back to Netflix. It was on there for a while, then gone, then it came back uh, hmm. very recently. Um, I watched Inside Man for the first time. Inside Man? Inside Man. With my guy Clive Owen? Oh, uh, with Clive Owen versus Denzel Washington. Yes. Um, it was excellent. And I feel like there's someone else. Oh, there's someone else. Def- is Willem Dafoe in there? I'm going to rattle them off. Willem Dafoe's there. That's um, what I thought. Okay. Jodie Foster's there. That's right. Jodie Foster's a badass she, in when, that movie. When her and Denzel are on screen and they're Oof. talking to each other, yes. it's like, God damn. So it's this just is, these are movie stars. Two powerhouses. <laughs> like, like, uh, and you're like, oh my God. There is like energy and presence and like their scenes and their exchanges. Like, well, shit, I see why you guys won Oscars. <laughs> That's very apparent. Well, yeah, why well, wouldn't you give these people trophies can, for how well they're talking? Can I get you another one? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, that's a fun movie. Um, but yeah, like the it's it is uh, Denzel Washington uh, playing a, a police detective uh, who is uh, tasked with figuring out and stopping a uh, a bank robbery, seemingly a bank mm-hmm. robbery that's happening uh, that is being orchestrated by Clive Owen. Mm-hmm. However, the events that are occurring uh, don't seem that they're playing with the the playbook of like, right. a normal uh, robbery. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, it seems like they have the police playbook and they're breaking every rule that is in there. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a wonderful, like, it, I wouldn't even say cat and mouse. It's like a fun mental chess game that's it happening. Is, yeah, that's a great way to put it. On out. screen. And, like, at the same time, showing you, like, you know, the prejudices of police, mm-hmm. like, you know, the corruption that can occur, like, you know, in politics in a city, like, you know, how media is used in these situations to, like, you know, change the opinion of a situation. Um, it was really good and, like, weirdly ties in, like, you know, a, a twist of from like World War Two in there. Yeah. It's like this is very layered. Yeah. Um. It was exciting. I, it was on my list of things to watch for like for years, but like I just sure. never again another, another one I never got to. But I have the time now. This is the first time you've seen. It's my first time I've seen it. I've oh not yeah, seen it. I think I I saw it when it first came out. I think and I've seen it since, but it's been years. I forgot about Jodie Foster in that. She is so great in that, and I feel like she has really great outfits. She looks. Like, 30 years younger yeah. in this for some reason. I don't know why, but it's like, 
Because she plays like a powerful, just like, uh, is she an attorney? She's like a fixer. A fix-it lady? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like a fix-it lady, like a, like a political She fixer. knows all the people and who has strings to pull and what strings to pull and like. Like her day job is like a real estate agent, but like her side job is like. It's like getting shit done. Yeah. Yeah. And she's like so intimidating. Oh yeah, I love her in that movie. Like, they give her good outfits. They they give her some some strong suits. Yeah, they give Denzel good outfits Does too. She... He's wearing like a cool like Stetson hat and like That's you right. know like an awesome like like Sarah Sucker suit. It's like what is? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He like he he always strides around, but he really strides around in that movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it's coming back to me a little bit. It was like it was really fun and tense and. The, 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 it is. It's very tense that whole time, and you're like, it does leave you wondering. Like, for as a first time viewer, like, what is going to happen next? <laughs> like, who is going to betray who? Like, who's like, what side are they playing for here? Um, it's. It was a really strong movie. A really strong cast. It again makes me question what happened with Clive Owen. Why he why he <sighs> didn't get cast in anything for a long while. I know. And it just felt like from the years two thousand four to about two thousand eight. Clive Owen was like the man. Like he was in a lot of things, a lot of good things yeah. as like you know a leading man, and yeah. then for some reason just poof. I like, know, and he, the stuff that he's been in since has has not been good. Valerian, why'd you do that? Do you King need money? Arthur? <laughs> why'd you why'd you do that? I mean, I kind of enjoyed that movie. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> but like, yeah, what? I don't know if he like stepped away to like raise a family or he just felt I mean, like he does I'm exhausted. Have, he did have little kids, so I think that does kind of make Entirely sense. Entirely possible. I don't, he might have done a bunch of theater stuff in England also. That's a whole different world. Just like I can yeah. do this and go home every go night home, to yeah. my kids. So that might have been, and I think he did. I'm sure a lot of stuff that we didn't see that was UK just based. In Britain. Yeah, yeah, like. But the stuff that I have seen, it's like, oh, Clive, you're better than this. It does feel like that way sometimes. Especially Remember Children of Men, Valeri- Clive? Come on. Children of Men is an amazing movie. So it good. is one of my favorite movies ever. Really? Yeah. Like, it is top two. And What? It's just... Wait, what? <laughs> what is number one? Uh, it vacillates between, like, the Blues Brothers and uh, Children of Men. Like, it is one and two, switching back and forth. Jason, my brain is melting. <laughs> it's an amazing movie, and I love it. The Blues Brothers movie and Children of Men? Yeah, they're two very different things. And those are your one and two, yep. essentially. Mm-hmm. There are other movies Jason, that definitely hang out in the top five. we have never spoken <laughs> about the Blues Brothers movie. No, we haven't. Okay, what are the other three in the top five-ish, if you will? Ah, Back to know. the Future? No. No, okay. Not at all. No Bad of the Future, no Star Wars, like, hangs out up there in, like, the top five at all. What are this, What are some other top ones, generally? Uh, what else is up there? Oh, um, Everything is Illuminated. I really love that movie a lot. Um, that's, like, probably, like, the fifth, I think. Um, three and four, not 100% sure, I guess. Like, that, like, flits around my mind sometimes. Um, Just give me some possibilities of a three, a possible three and or four. A possible four is probably Gattaca. Um... Okay, and that like, makes more sense with the Jason uh, that I know. Three, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what hangs out at number three, but like in the top four, you top five, you have four of the five already. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I. I don't even know. I don't even know, Jason. <laughs> I've known you for a very long time. 
I've known you for 15 years. Yeah. <laughs> and we have never once talked about, and all we talked about in this time, aside from just what's happening generally in our lives, is TV and movies. <laughs> and never once have the words Blues Brothers been uttered from your lips. I think it's an amazing movie and a wonderful celebration of like black music. <laughs> like, I fucking love it. I don't know if I've ever seen it all the way through. It's I don't so think funny. I, have. <laughs> I think I've only seen bits of it. It's funny. It is uh, one, of, one of the most amazing car chases that happen um, where like cars are being launched like slingshots across the screen. <laughs> it is... I feel like because that's what car chases were at oh, that time. yeah. It was just like... <laughs> <laughs> amazing musical numbers by like Ray Charles and Aretha Franklin. And it's just like, God damn, this is amazing. Cab Calloway, like... I didn't know he. No, I'm lying. I didn't know who he was through Janet Jackson, who Cab Calloway was. But I like to think of it as you actually know Janet Jackson, <laughs> and she just like introduced you. To so him. this is Cab. Nice to meet you, Cab Jason. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so how do you know Janet? <laughs> um, but no, like I think that movie was uh, the Blues Brothers was very expository of like just music that I guess I always loved, but just like I saw it as a as a young child, it was like mm. this is amazing i'm gonna have to go back and watch it now um yeah like the performances that happen primarily are the reason why like this is great it is a musical that is also not a musical i guess in Mm. many ways jason i think as we've discussed in the past you secretly really enjoy a musical i don't care for them mainly (laughs) and yet i generally don't and And like yet this is a weird one because it's not really a musical because like a musical it's not a ways, traditional musical no because like a musical like every word of the music extends the plot this doesn't mm. it's more like a, a showcase a song of break. songs and the, the songs don't necessarily like you know add to the plot as much as like man this director john landis really enjoys music um and i don't really care for john landis like as a director overall in many in many what respects has he done? but I really like this movie. What other movies has he done? Oh, um, uh, An American Werewolf in Paris. Um, what else? Uh, Michael Jackson's Thriller. Um, mm. The entire movie, the entire short film, I mm. guess. Um, that one sequence in the Twilight Zone where people actually died. Oh. Yeah, like that's like one of the ones like... I. Mm. I only watched one episode of it and it scared me so much and disturbed me so much. Granted, like as a full grown adult, that mm-hmm. I couldn't watch it. It was this was the Twilight Zone movie, like where oh. they did like the uh, it was an anthology film where like hey we have four different segments, uh, and the one that he directed, uh, he was very careless and heeding warnings like given to him by like, the professionals on set of mm. like you know the uh, the the pilots and the stunt coordinators, the explosives coordinators, like hey you probably shouldn't have that helicopter coming much closer to the to the explosion i thought you meant like the characters died you mean actual, actual people, people died, died in the died. making Three of people it people died in the making holy of it. shit um vic morrow and two kids like died <gasps> as a result of that oh no and it's like the stunt coordinator and the helicopter pilot were like you shouldn't do this you shouldn't have the helicopter that come that close to the explosion because <gasps> the draft from the heat is going to like you know cause this thing to stall out and it did happen. Jesus Christ. And people died as a result of it. Wow. That's yeah. terrible. And it's just that. like, you should have listened. Yeah. Like, you really should have. Yeah. Um, and he kind of semi-retired from filmmaking after that. Like, he... Yeah, I would too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, he still, like, did little things here and there, but, like, not too many things. Wow. And he could have been, like, 
you know, a Robert Zemeckis or Steven Spielberg-esque yeah. type of his day, given, like, his ability to command, you know, set pieces and action and, like, you know, effects really well. Mm. But... I am just so delightfully surprised. <laughs> this has been a real moment. Oh, well, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad you enjoyed this Man, moment. oh, man. Um, what else have I watched? Oh. <laughs> I randomly, with Zen, rewatched Air Force One, which I had also... That's an unusual choice. <laughs> which I had also watched, like, less than three months ago. That's also weird. <laughs> Are you watching mid-level Harrison Ford movies like this? Hey. <laughs> I watched it a couple months ago because it was just available. And then I... What was I doing? Oh, I... Zen came over to hang out. But I... It was like last week or the week before. Uh, yeah, last week... Uh, it was voting on the 24th, I think. Mm-hmm. And so I still hadn't voted that night. So I had to just run across the street to vote. And so I was like, I'm just going to do this real quick. Um, you know, here's the remote for the TV. Watch whatever you want. I'll be right back. Because it was only like 15, 20 minutes. Um, and so I came back and she was watching Air Force One. And I was like, yeah, I'll watch this. Because <laughs> <laughs> she hadn't seen it in such a long time that she didn't remember it. And so, and I had watched it weirdly so recently that I actually did. Mm-hmm. And so I got to finally switch with her in that we've been watching all these Vin Diesel movies that she has seen all of them. And she's been watching me react with such shock to so many <laughs> stupid things that I got to watch her be like, well, when's, isn't that, what? And it was great. And I actually knew what was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just one of those late 90s mid harrison action movies um where inevitably his wife or child is taken hostage <laughs> and uh he's gotta save people gotta fight gary oldman to gary oldman as a play. russian guy um there's a bunch of people who you'd recognize in that movie now but um yeah, uh, Harrison Ford's the president, and then a bunch of Russian bad guys uh, get on the plane as, like, a reporter crew, camera crew, and then they take a hostage to try to uh, get force the release of some Russian prisoner. I mean, pretty, like, standard action standard movie plot. 90s action movie, yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's fine. It felt like one of those things that everyone saw in 1997. It was like I remember my parents renting it. A lot of it was a, an action movie for parents, for sure. Yes, it's a real dad movie. Absolutely. But they also don't pull their punches. Like usually in those movies, pretty much only the bad guys die. A lot of people die in this movie. A lot of yeah, they execute a couple of good guys, and you're like, oh. Because Zen, for one of them, they'd already killed a guy. And Zen was like, they take this woman hostage. And she was like, oh, but like, and Gary Oldman is threatening to shoot her Mm -hmm. while talking to the president. And she's like, they're not going to do that. She's like, they're not going to do that, right? (laughs) Because that that would be overboard. That would be too much. Like, it's a woman. And I was just, I just sat there trying not to convey anything she's yeah no that, they wouldn't do that that's okay 
And then we're watching. She's like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) And then he does kill her. And she was like, what? That is so inappropriate. Like, because it was, it was just this woman who, one of the few women, like, on that staff. Uh, Yeah, it was, I feel like in movies now, they might not do that. Mm Mm-hmm depending on what type of movie it is. Um, so it was just, it was a real power play for me because I actually knew what was happening, which is exciting. <laughs> so this one, it feels like I have all the ooh, knowledge. Ooh. It's so <laughs> rare that that happens to me because I have such a bad memory. Um, and I, it's a weirdly, I think because I saw it when I was younger, it's a weirdly comforting movie for me because I know what's going to happen. Uh, that's fair. I don't know. That's... Why have I seen Air Force One twice in the last three months, Jason? 1998's Air Force One. <laughs> Just wait. Yeah, I've... Oh, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, anything else? That's, I guess, all I've got for right now. But, yeah. I mean, these were... We've done a lot this episode. Yes. Uh, figured out what four of my top five favorite Jason, films are. I'm going to replay this moment in my head over and over. <laughs> What a revelation. <laughs> what a gift you've given me. And the list is always, of course, subject to, like, you know, change, of course. Now I'm going to have to, oh, maybe now is a bad time to rewatch Children of Men. <laughs> That's uh, a dark, dark I movie. I it again very recently. Still dark. Yep. Like, it's figuratively dark, and also literally, I feel like it's a very darkly lit film. Yeah. <laughs> But dang, I really, really enjoy that movie. That's, again, that's it's right really now good. in my number one stuff. Wow. Of a favorite film. Man. Okay. Um, yeah, but uh, and perhaps one day we'll figure out what what uh, what what floats your boat, movie wise, top five wise. I'll have to think about it. <laughs> I know, like my top two, it's filling out the last like three to five is a little trickier. Mm-hmm. I'll mull it over and get back to you. Okay, fair enough. All I got is time right now, buddy. <laughs> That's all anyone has, and also what we don't have. <laughs> <laughs> So leave me off on that children of men note. (laughs) Uh, Thank you so much for listening. Yeah. Uh, We'll see you all next time. Bye.